Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on, wide the deep left field. It is gone! It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 156. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss some old meatballs, talk about the potential of Chris Antonetti interviewing with the Mets and others, talk about Francisco Lindor's potential to be traded, we'll give our own quick little off-season plans as if we are the Indians GM, and of course, we'll answer your questions. Join me for all that more is another Nestor Merritt Rolfing. I screwed that up really bad. Uh, Merritt, fine. how's it going? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I always say that part too fast anyway, and that time I just fucked it. It's, I'm going to leave it in. I'm not going to restart the whole thing over that. Oh, of course not. No, I mean, I'm, I'm Mr. Nestor or whatever the hell you just said. That's, that's what I'm known as. So I'm great. Thanks for asking. Some things happen. Baseball things. Bigger things that weren't baseball things, I think. But um, uh, unimportant. Yeah, at least we got yeah unimportant side things that happen in the world. But the Indian stuff all sucks right now because, I mean, of course, we know what's coming. Mostly trash. The fact that <laughs> mostly tread. Yeah. Um, that's a good way to put it, is mostly dread, but you know what isn't dreadful, Matt? What's that? See, I can't press the button until you answer me. It doesn't work. What's that, Matt? <laughs> meatballs. Meatballs, Merritt. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's meatballs, our section where we talk about very specific things, things we like to look into. Um, we're doing old-timey meatballs now. So what does that mean? Um, no, nobody knows, Merritt. It's just it's a meatball you're serving up over the plate, a meatball of knowledge. Um who came up with this idea? Music Certainly not me. I actually have one this week. Me. <laughs> okay. Last week, I didn't get into the old-timey meatballs. I didn't get one time. But I got one I like this week. So actually, I found this because I'm writing something about Indians Gold Glove winners just because it's award season. It actually found uh, this guy named Vic Powers. Or Vic Power, I think. It's just yeah. singular. But uh, oh, is he known? I thought he was a pretty unknown player. But I know he won a bunch of gold gloves. He was a first baseman. I know who he um, is because I have brain worms. Okay. And I spend a lot of time on baseball <laughs> reference. Don't, don't mind yeah. me. <laughs> but he's one of those guys. He's almost like a, he's a very short duration Sam McDowell. That he was very good for a very short period of time. Um, he won, I think, seven gold gloves in a row. He His first was when they first introduced the gold glove. And he won a bunch for the Indians. But uh, he wasn't that like fantastic of a player. He was, just kind of a, he was obviously good on defense for what they mm. had to measure it back then. He was below average hitter. Um, he had some average, but he just didn't walk a whole lot, didn't hit for a lot of power, didn't steal a lot, but he was the last player, um, since 1927 to steal homes twice, uh, in the same game, which I thought was cool. Um, he did it 1958 against the Tigers, which looking on baseball reference, it's when they have their old terrified tiger looking logo. So it's just the battle of the worst logos ever because it's that and then the Chief Wahoo. But yeah, this game, he, he had a three stolen bases all season. Two of them came in this one game that the Indians won, um, he, he just didn't steal a whole lot of bases. They The whole thing was that it was, he was just good at, and this one game, he, he'd stole, I think, another one home at one point, but he was just good at, at knowing when to run against this Tigers pitching, and he did it twice. He did it once in the eighth inning, and then once actually extra innings. Um, it was bases loaded. Uh, who was it up to bat? I feel like it was a big name, because that's why I, I think it was, 
No, somebody got walked. Larry Doby got walked. I think Rocky Calavito was up. So, I mean, it's a, it's a game with a bunch of names and just the balls yeah. of, of Vic Powers to come up. Um, <laughs> bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the 10th, and it's tied. And he steals home, and they win the game. I thought that was really cool. So that was the second stolen um, home of the game. And he's the last one to do it. He did it in 1958, and the only other one since 1927. So doesn't happen often. He did it twice. And he's not even a fast player, which kind of adds to the coolness of it, the fact that he's not like a Mookie Betts or whatever. He just he just stole home twice in the same game and won a game. I don't know. I thought that was cool because he's not really a speed guy. And I don't know what would happen if he tried it in, in the modern day. I just think nobody would try with the bases loaded. And at that point, I mean, they load, it's all in the same pitcher, too, so there's no pitching chains in that inning because, I mean, it's 1958. <laughs> they don't do that very often. Um, so, I mean, the guy was obviously not pitching well, and he had to intentionally walk Larry Doby, and then he was facing Rocky Calavito, who I believe this was one of his first two years when he was actually good before they traded him. But, um, yeah, that's my meatball. It was the balls on Vic Power. You know, it's, it is it is amazing, before I get into mine, just how – we think of relief pitching and the the structure that it is within the game as being this thing that's always been there. And like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at, at stats and stuff of old timey pitchers, and like they did some relief pitching back then. But you know, you'll have guys who started 350 games and they pitched 180 complete games or something like that. So it's just it's it's interesting just how new in the scheme of baseball relief pitching is. Like as you mentioned with your meatball. They were not going to be pulling out that that, that starter because they just didn't do right, that. Yeah. I mean, why why would you do that? He's the starting pitcher. <laughs> well, like that was a reliever, but it was. I mean, they weren't gonna. They weren't exactly burning through relievers in that game. <laughs> it yeah, was, yeah, okay. It was a tenth inning. They were going to make him work through it. Uh, he was already one inning in. Um, so I wanted to see what the greatest individual performance by an Indians player was <laughs> ever, and I decided to use one of your favorite statistics. Uh, what is it again? WPA, win probability added, which is a fun statistic. You know, it's uh, how you can, you know, it's basically a way to see how an individual or other uh, impacted the winning. So I used our, my old friend, Baseball Reference, to find the um, find that, sorted by win probability added. I was just going through this list, by the way. Number 17 all time with, an win, with a win probably added of 0.864. So if he'd added one is adding an entire win. Was that Jason Giambi home run that he hit against the White Sox back in 2013? I thought that was pretty neat. Um, show up, hit a home run, go home. Pretty nice afternoon. But no, the greatest individual performance by win probably added was Mel Hall. That's right, Mel Hall in 1984. He had actually been traded to the Indians a couple weeks prior to that. This immediately makes you feel like you made a genius trade because he went three for five, including a walk off home run that drove in three. He also drove another two with a double, but it's just it's funny to to see where you know an event can come from because his first three at bats were a single, a strikeout, and like a pop and a pop out. So it's, he's going into a normal game, and then it goes in extra innings. He hits a grand sl- or hits a three run home run, helps him win. A win probably added of one point two oh six. So not only did he help them win one game, but he gave them twenty percent of a second win. So count that, and there you go. Now, was that his first game as an Indian, or just close to it? No, no, it was just one of a, one of his one of his first games as an Indian. I'll look deeper. Give me a moment, and I'll tell you when that this happened. Nineteen eighty four. I'm delving deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It would be neat if it was his first game as an Indian. I know. No, so say he his, pinch hit that game, so that would have been even crazier if he just. Uh, it was his fourth game as an Indian. No, I'm sorry. That's down here somewhere. I don't know, like fifth or sixth <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But that's cool. Yeah. I love WPA because they can find cool stuff like that. It's more than just, yeah, yeah. Because then it's it's more than just he hit a home run. It's he hit a home run and 
it had this kind of context to it. It's always, I always have to feel like I have to add the, the caveat to it that it's not like predictive, but the fact that he added that much win probability with one swing is really cool, especially because yeah, if he was just traded to the Indians, it's always neat. That's what it was. Yeah. So it was five games after he was traded to the Indians. Cool. Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember if there was an Indians player recently that it seems like they all are bad when they come here first. <laughs> like Fred Mill Reyes yes. had to get comfortable. Um, obviously we know Josh Naylor had to get comfortable and just exploded in the playoffs. I mean, who was the last one? Josh Donaldson, cause just because he was injured, he sucked when he came over. I mean, Cal Quantrill was but good, but he was a pitcher. I can't think of a position player that's come over here and been good right away. <laughs> Bringing us back into the less meaty, more saucy, modern-day baseball is uh, less... I, I guess maybe it's more exciting than 1984 Indians, probably, but... Um, the they were a bad the team, man. They stunk, <laughs> just to be clear uh, here. <laughs> I mean, they, they made a movie about how bad they were for a long period of time, so... Um, but yeah, the, the current Indians, there's there's rumors that are not great. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm just going to combine these into two talking points, basically, is the fact that Lindor is going to be traded by opening day, most likely. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported it. J.P. Morosi and others confirmed it. I mean, it's not a surprise. It's not like a new thing. We know he's going to be traded eventually, and the longer they wait, the less he's going to be worth. But uh, but they're basically just waiting just to get more suitors. I, I saw one suggestion that they're just waiting for the Mets to basically assemble a front office, which makes sense because they got... Um, I think we talked about this last week. They got Steve Cohen, who's just going to be shooting money all over the place because he didn't lose any last year. He just wants to win. Um, I mean, he's obviously one you want in the conversation. If you're going to be trading Lindor, you don't want to trade him before that. But there's there's nobody there. They cleaned house. They traded. They not, they didn't trade. They got rid of Brody Van Wagen and everybody that worked under him. Um, and then I saw Buster Olney suggested that the Mets should ask the Indians to talk to Chris Antonetti, which, good Lord, please no. Just cut off all his phone lines. Don't let him talk to anybody. Um I think I, I saw someone else mention the Angels should. So it's getting to the point where it, it's people think it should be like Andrew Freeman, where he goes from the Rays, where he has no money, to the Dodgers, and he has infinite money and wins all these pennants in a World Series eventually. Because I don't doubt that would happen. If you give Chris Antonetti unlimited money, he's going to be great. Because I think this Indians team would be absolutely screwed without him where they are now. If I think we've always talked about to separate the disdain for ownership in the front office, because it's the ownership that gives them this small budget and Chris Antonetti and, um, I'm blanking on his name. The actual GM. Yeah, there you go. Turn off. Um, it's those two that are that are making it work and still getting at least regular winning season teams. But if Chris Anthony is sick of it and the Indians say that he can talk to other teams, maybe he does and maybe he wants the job at the Mets. And then I think it'd be extra hilarious if that happens. And then the Indians trade Lindor to the Mets. <laughs> he just goes back over with Chris Anthony. Um yeah, it's it's a lot of Mets rumors now because those are the two big ones. I think the other one is Lindor potentially could go to like Toronto was one I saw that was kind of interesting. I don't know about their prospects a whole lot, but I would I would love that to get Bo Bichette back, but I don't think that would happen. But they have a whole bunch of young prospects. They also have Mark Shapiro, who was here when the Indians drafted Francisco Lindor, and he loves his um, his prospects. That's the only thing I don't know if he would trade any to get Lindor. But the Blue Jays look like another spender. But there isn't a ton of places for Lindor to go this offseason. I think it's we're going to look back and think they they sort of blew it by not doing it last season, but I can't fault them. I can't pretend like I wanted them to, but, but yeah. So what are your thoughts on it? It's just, I guess just all the, it's all rumors of Indians leaving. It's free agency technically, but nobody's coming in. It's all Lindor going to get traded. Chris Anthony might be talking to people, but it's, uh, it's out there. Well, I'm just thinking too about, you know, it, imagine if the Indians had given Chris Antonetti $200 million in payroll every year over the last eight years or whatever, just the team they'd have, like they would have, they would have kept around guys who were good and stuff like that. They probably wouldn't have spent as much time trying to get Jason Kipnis 
to work as a player as long as they did because he just was there. As of the Lindor thing, I don't know. I mean, I it's just the, the, the places that have all the good prospects have a shortstop, which is frustrating. Uh, I, I, the Dodgers aren't going to want him. Uh, do the Red Sox have good prospects? I mean, they're trying to rebuild. Maybe the Yankees. The Yankees make sense to me. Uh, and the Mets thing obviously makes the most sense to me as well. But I was talking about that with my dad, too. It's just they need to make a splash to the Mets, you know, now that they have their shiny new owner. Um, and this would be a great way to be real for a new owner to be very, you know, active and kind of pulling like a 1980s George Steinbrenner style of thing where he's just demanding moves and, you know, things of that nature, being a very bossy kind of type of a boss. Uh, I mean, honestly, Matt, I just hate the idea of, of them trading Francisco Lindor, but I would hope, again, that it's, it's a comeback, it's a return that's not just uh, another, like, a Clevenger trade. I'd like for them to get something. I don't know what that looks like. Someone was like, just joking around tweeting about, like, the, um, trading him to the Yankees for Giancarlo Stanton and then having the, the Yankees like, eat, like, 85% of his payroll. <laughs> And I, I, think I was like, I hate that idea. That. I mean, like, do I hate? Do I hate that idea? I hate that idea. Do I hate that I idea? I, hate that idea. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if you liked it, it's not something they usually do. I don't think it's not. No, I know. Yeah, I mean, and like, I just my hope is that they 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 got their kind of you know stock the farm system move out of their out of their system with the uh, uh, the the Clevenger deal, and so this will be one they they might be able to pull in like a you know another Reyes type of a move, which I mean. As far as quality is concerned, Francisco Lindor should should pull a king's ransom. I mean, of of all the trades they've made the last however many years, you know, for pitching mostly and stuff like that, it, this is the move that should return something that looks like a superstar down the line. You know, like like they should have, like with uh, Corey Kluber when they when they were talking about going to get someone like Alex Verdugo. Um, that is the type of player I'd like to, to see come back. Do, do, again, do the Braves have a good farm system? I don't even know. I don't even think it's all that good. So. And they're not going to get Ozzy Albies, like so. I don't know. Because yeah, that's the hard. Part. Oh, no, so I hate it. And I think the, the, if they're going to go anywhere, players for players, you don't get a bunch of prospects. Well, that's. I mean, I, I you know, I just, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind the Mets either. I guess that's a, that's a fine choice for me. So because I like the Mets, and the if Mets. they're going to trade Carlos Carrasco too, I also don't hate packaging the two of them up and getting like a better. You can get a farm system for that. Uh, I, yeah, I know. Right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like you can get, um, because you can say. Lindor is just a year if you can't convince him to stay, but Carrasco at least got for a couple more years, and he's he's super cheap for what he is. And I feel like you could get the major league player and also get a couple decent prospects out of that. Like maybe you can pry away Bobachet with that and a little more, and also something smaller down the line. But um, I don't know. It's hard. You got to find a team who thinks they can get him long term. I think would improve your value. But also the team that's trading for him is not going to say that they're going to be saying, "Oh, we only got him for a year. We can't possibly sign him." So this is we're going to yeah, give exactly. you these prospects, but. But like, yeah, I mean, whatever. It's a whole year. The fact of the matter is, it's not going to be sixty games. It's going to be one hundred and sixty-two, and he's going to be a six-win six player. So, um, I don't know. Maybe some other team will make a stupid move. Maybe they, they maybe they could trade him to the Mariners. The Mariners must have some good uh, prospects, right? Maybe the Kalenic from them. There we go. They want to trade him. Yeah, there. Yeah, that kid. Yeah, exactly. And then you could trade him back to the Mets uh, for King's ransom. Just make a whole little system going there. Cause we all know Mets fans want that clinic kid back. So yeah, I love this idea. I'm currently looking through the, uh, the, I'm currently looking through the Braves, uh, farm system. And I don't know if they want, they have, they, ooh, a toolsy outfielder, Matt, a toolsy outfielder. What do you think? <laughs> ooh, the Indians Folks, love think he, Wait, can he hit I, or not at all? Well, he, 
He has a rangy uh, frame to him. Uh, he, he looks like as though he could really fill in this frame over time. And he's a switch hitter, too. So, <laughs> That's you perfect. Know, it's, I honestly think this Drew Waters kid, here he is. This is this is your guy, everyone. Drew Waters is going to headline a trade for Francisco Lindor. And oh, he won the batting title in AAA last year, so, or in 2019. So that's something. And again, toolsy, toolsy. Speed is a plus. Ooh, I like this. Many of his doubles will turn into home runs as he matures. Ooh, I haven't read that before in a, in a, in a prospects breakdown. Are you basically saying mm. you want the Indians to be like, what was that, the early 2010s, Al Davis just signing everybody with speed and hoping for the best? I mean, that's what mm-hmm. that's what it seems like they're going for if they do that. Because you got Bradley Zimmer, yep. you got, I guess, Hoskin Mercado's fast. They got rid of Greg Allen, so that doesn't work. But I'd like to see a team do that and just say, screw it and get all speed and nothing else. Why not? Yeah. On the Mets and uh, Steve Cohen, if, if one thing that maybe proves I wouldn't be a good GM is if I was him, I think I would just wait and see like any Yankees rumor, just the first one you see, if it's a big player, if it's like JT Romero or whoever, I'm going to just go after that guy and pay him double whatever the Yankees pay him. Just just the, the first guy you can find to prove you can outbid the Yankees this time, even if you don't need him that much. Just do it for the first guy and take away somebody from the Yankees because I can think of the last time they did that. They've just taken somebody the Yankees wanted, and I want to see the Mets do oh, that. Oh, never. You know, yeah. never. I mean, that just that didn't happen. Like the one time that they, they, you know, they, they got a couple, a couple splashes there, like in the mid 2000s, right? With like, with like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, outfielder, switch hitter. Oh. Now, also, oh yeah, Johan Santana is another good example. But like the the, the Yankees already had a stocked uh, rotation, uh, and also they had money back then because the whole Bernie Madoff thing had hadn't happened. Um, oh, why can't I remember his name now? The outfielder who took the called third strike to from Adam Wainwright. Oh my god. He played with the Royals. This is going to kill me. Oh, my God. Mets. <laughs> I do not remember. Two, 2006. <laughs> this is eating me alive. How can I not remember this man's <laughs> name? We're, I'm going to say, you're gonna go, oh, right, him. Oh, fucking Carlos Beltran. Okay. Carlos Beltran. Uh, that was a, oh, yeah. That was a guy. Of course. So, um, no, I think them getting someone like Francisco <laughs> Lindor, is, it's one of those statement moves that, that it's a team like that would have. I, I agree with you. Should Should try and make. Because um, they need to, otherwise they're always going to be the little brother, but now they have more money than the big brother. So they just start splashing it around like a maniac. That man's so rich. <laughs> just swimming just be stupid with a few bucks. Yeah. JT Romito. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, Steve. Just find some money in your, in your, in your couch and, and throw it at a problem. You, you'll be fine. You know what, screw it. Sign somebody for a bunch of money, put them on waiver so the Yankees can't claim them. Immediately. I love that idea. Them. And pay we, his we, contract. We didn't Give actually want team, him. Just yeah. the can't him. Immediately. Yeah, or just send him to the minors. Be like, yep, okay, there we go. <laughs> Look the Yankees in the eyes as you do it. Yep, guess what I'm doing? I'm sending all, I signed the entire free agent class. I'm trading him to the Yokohama, whatever. I'm trading him to the to, to, a, to a Japanese baseball team. There we go, just the Yankees can't get him. That'd be, that'd be my mm-hmm. That's why I'm not an owner. I guess yeah, that's why I'm not an owner, because I wouldn't do that. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. How about we be the GMs, man? Me and you. Okay. And, uh, everybody else, obviously, too, because um, every year of the offseason, we post. It's up there now. If you want to go to Let'sGoTribe.com and make a fan post, you can be the GM, do your own moves for the offseason. A couple have already been made, but we're going to say forget that. Do whatever you want. If you are desperate to keep all the option players if you want. If you want to get rid of um, Roberto Perez, go for it. If you want to keep Domingo Santana, I don't know why, but <laughs> go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, so I, I did my meatball first. So if you want to go first with uh, your GM plan here, go for it. How would you fix the Indians this season? Oh, you know what they could use? And this is just an idea I just had just now, just now. Never even thought about it before. They could really use an outfielder they could hit. Now, what do you think of that idea? And... Let me ask you something. Am I being realistic here, or I am I just good. being? Am I being? Am I, am I trying to be realistic though, or am I just trying to do moves that I want them to do? Because there's, I have ideas of actual moves they could do. <laughs> I think. So, I mean, the post itself, I don't think it matters because people. I'm just. It's an excuse for people to write if they want to. For us, True. I would say do what you think they would do to win. I'm just saying that because that's what I did. I did realistically, like my most optimistic view of what I think the Indians could realistically do. So let's just say they're going to let it ride with Francisco Lindor because they're figuring that this is their last chance to put anything resembling a winning team together. And I'm also assuming that the team actually wants to win, right? I think that's a key point to all this. It's an assumption in a desire to win, not to mitigate uh, mitigate, expenses. So I think they they re-signed Michael Brantley somehow, honestly. I think they just try and use the old hometown discount and bring him in. I don't know how it would work, to be clear. Uh, I don't know how much he would cost. He didn't cost all that much for the Astros in the first place. It was only like a $30 million deal or something that wasn't it. So I would say do that first. That helps uh, lengthen the lineup out precipitously, which makes me happier. Uh, let's see. Pitching's fine. But basically, I think, I think honestly, they just added a bat in the outfield and re-signed, um, what's his name, the second baseman. That's all they had to do. I'm a simple man, Matt. I'm a simple man with simple needs, and that's, I think, all they need to do to win. And will they do it? They won't. But, you know, that's fine. No, maybe, be, one of the, maybe, maybe, maybe one of their many tools the outfielders will actually learn to hit. <laughs> now, who do you bring back um, for options? Are you bringing back, you just give it to everybody but Domingo Santana, I'm assuming? Or I guess probably not Carlos Santana either? I or like do you Domingo Santana. Santana. Joke's on you. Uh, no, I do, I do not bring back. Um, when it comes to options, I, I think what they, everything they've done is the right move, quite honestly. I love Carlos Santana, but I think we talked about it last week. I think 2019 was found money, and uh, they just need to. They have too many big slow guys at this point. Like it's not, it's not, it's a team that needs some versatility, and he's just. They, they, you can't have that many first base slash DHs on on this team. So yeah, but I would what say you need, they, what you're saying is you need a speedy catcher like uh, JT Romito is what they need to do. What I'm so thinking like, is yeah. what they need is a speedy catcher. Yes, like Roberto Perez, I believe you said. Yes, the fastest man alive. Yeah, that's who. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I don't I don't hate that plan. It's very nostalgic. It's got Michael Brantley coming back. It, mm-hmm. Well, I, he's a man who can still hit. I mean, he was great this year. Honestly, when you look at his numbers, he was 
a very effective hitter. He hit 300. I mean, he's been good the last two. He's logged literally an exactly 126 OPS the last two years. That would be third best on the Indians, I think. Second or third best on the Indians. Like <laughs> something like that. Yeah. You just like the, the fact of the matter is they just need anything offensively. I know that I don't know. He's 34. He just got paid 16, 32 million dollars over two years. You could probably get him to come back for 10 a year for two years. Do they have that money? No, they do not have that. <laughs> absolutely not all right so what i'm gonna do for mine is i'm going to be I, I know i said i'm optimistically indians and i promise this is my optimistic view of the indians but i'm gonna say they trade lindor for somebody that is not gonna be that impactful in the major leagues which <laughs> if that should tell you anything that's my optimistic view of what they can do so i'm saying they trade lindor so he's not in my lineup but i also don't have to worry about picking a trade partner <laughs> because it's not going to matter this year um they'll trade him to the mets the blue jays somebody for a prospect that won't be impactful right away Maybe not somebody who they can call it mid-season, but beginning of the season. But that's mine um, to start. And then I would also, um, obviously, I pick up Roto Prez's option. Um, Brad Hand, I would keep him for $10 million. I still think that was nuts. I, I get maybe they can yeah, what the hell? let him go and then re-sign him for cheaper, but whatever. I just pay him the 10 and not risk it. Um, Carlos Santana, I let go and cry about it a little bit. Domingo Santana, I don't even think about it. Um, arbitration? Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> Austin Hedges, I, I I guess bring him back and then just don't keep saying to Leon. Adam Simber, no, don't pay him whenever he wants. Lionel Shields, no. Lindor's obviously gone. Phil Mayton, obviously bring him back. I like him. Tyler Naquin, no, he's gone. Nick Whitgren, obviously, yes, he's back. So, um, so Simber, uh, Lindor's not there. To Shields, and did I say Naquin? Yeah, Naquin's back. So just the Shields and Hedges are the two, or just Shields and Simber are the two that I wouldn't bring back through arbitration. Um, so free agency, I think I actually wrote about this earlier today or yesterday that, um, I think the first, I could see them stretching is for like Tommy Lestella, which isn't exactly a long stretch, but he was, uh, he's, he's decent. He's a slap hitter guy. He's not a big homer guy, but he doesn't strike out ever. Um, I think it was since like 2019, nobody struck out less than him and they, they seem to like that. That's sort of, yeah, it goes against the grain of what's going on right now. Everybody strikes on hits for power, but maybe you just get Lestella cheap because of that. And then you bring him in, um, so I think they either do that or they sign like Jerks and Profar to a one year six million dollar deal, and also Jonathan Scoop to a one mil six, six one year six million dollar deal. Like they sign those two or Tommy Lestella. Either way, I don't think they spend more than like twelve or thirteen million on a straight up contract, and then just offer minor league deals to I don't know fucking anybody. Rusty Castillo, Rusty Castillo is a weird one on the Red Sox who Ooh. they signed to a huge deal and he couldn't play basically because it would have put him over the luxury tax. So maybe. Uh-huh like a change of scenery and let him actually play. He turns out to be something resembling what they thought he was. Yeah, um, draw Dyson. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He could, that could be like a, a home run hit there, but um, draw Dyson, whatever Ryan Braun. Sure. It's just old guys. They bring in just to try it out. Like you said, Ryan Braun, it's depressing, but it's there. So um, but yeah, I don't, I think they go for the Stella over Cesar Hernandez, which I think is an upgrade and they have as much as I love Hernandez being here, but La Stella and then some random guys. I think Nolan Jones comes up after the super two deadline, which is very unfortunate. Um, and also maybe like Jason Kipnis on a minor league deal, something like that, if he sticks around. Because he was pretty good last year, and he's obviously the veteran guy that they're going to lose when Lindor is gone. So maybe they're going to get him cheap, but all of my options are very, very cheap because I think that's what they're going to do. They're still going to get into the playoffs probably, and then I don't know how that's going to go. But <laughs> they're going to be in there, and they're going to be – I also don't trade any of the pitchers for, for my offseason plan. I think they'll probably trade Carlos Carrasco, but if I was in charge, realistically, I don't think I would. I would keep that intact. No, at this point, I you know we've been talking for years now about them moving uh, moving pitchers to get things. I think they've done that. I, I don't think I don't think they have enough pitching at this point where they where they they have the glut that they did two or three years ago to deal from that point. I just 
as you go through all those names, I just, it, it, it's very irritating, right? How this is a because of what happened, because it's that type of season that, that normally a team like the Indians would be able to just feast. Uh, because there's so many, honestly, there's players that aren't going to get paid, but because they're one of the teams that can't pay anyone, that's why it's happening. So it's, it's like they're trapped in hell is how I would phrase it. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, what do you think it'd be different this off season if it wasn't for like, if this was a regular off season where the Indians are still pretty cheap, but there's, yeah. is there a lot of these players or does it just seem like there's a lot because no, I think there's just a lot because yeah, no one wants to spend them. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's, it's, it's those. It's that middle class of player, you know what I mean? You're, the guys, you, all the guys you mentioned, the guys who make between six and seventeen million dollars a year. You know, the guys who are out of arbitration, um, aren't signing seven and eight year mega deals. Guys who fill out the rest of a roster and are useful, but um, just the, the the ones who end up you know, at the end of the, their career, they played for nine teams because there's someone who is too expensive to keep around for too long, but. Um, you can get them for a low risk one or two year deal like that, and it's just there's just more of those because those are the players that people don't want to pay, right? Like the, the, the there's a little more risk there, I guess. And why pay that guy who you know, like someone like Mustella, right? Who he's projected in 2021 to put up a 269, 345, 430 line. Like why pay the 32 year old to do that? Pay him whatever eight million dollars when you could probably get near that production for. Eight hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? So no, I think that's what it is. There's we're, we're going to see more and more of those guys, and then hopefully, I mean, you know, I mean, one would hope that they like be, be able to find some money to afford them on the cheap. But that's why a team like the Mets. Um, I mean, I don't know. All they need, all they really need, is relief pitching. Anyway, I think it'd be cool if somebody like Jock Peterson fell to them too. He was terrible in the regular season, but like really came up in the postseason. He's not a terrible option. I think if. Platoon bat. I mean, you know, that's the thing. They 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 have guys that they can that they can platoon together with him to to create the uh, another amalgam monster. One of our favorite things about being Indians fans is watching two <laughs> men become platoons. one. You know, everyone was a nice platoon. <laughs> uh, Why have one great. great outfielder when you can have two average ones that sort of maybe occasionally turn? Hey, you know, you combined a couple years ago they did that and they basically they had like Miguel Cabrera as a, as like a, <laughs> yeah. as a right fielder or something like that, like offensively because it's just yeah. it was. I can't remember who it was on the top of my head, but it's just well, I feel like a Brandon Guy or Lonnie Chisholm was the peak. That was the absolute two. peak, yeah. yeah or was... no, Ryan Rayburn and uh, Chisholm maybe. Yeah, was they were Rayburn Chisholm. Yeah, Rayburn was also every other year too, which was a weird thing for him. Yeah, remember that he was awful one year and great the other year. That seems like so long ago that Ryan Rayburn was here. Holy cow, dude! I was researching for my meatball today, and I was just clicking through, and I ended up looking at Kelly Shopuk for a few minutes. <laughs> And like I might still talk about this, but he just had that one year where he tricked us into thinking that they'd be fine replacing after they traded Victor Martinez. <laughs> he was just dog shit. <laughs> I just those were not fun years. Take a take a trip through the through any of those, you know, the the the, the teams. Maybe not even of my youth, but like of like the early to mid two thousands. Just like there were some names right there, man. I mean, <laughs> your formative adult years. Basically. Yeah, you know, I, that, that, there's a reason why Ellis Burks is the name that, that I name check in my pinned tweet because I'm just like, you know, I just I don't know. <laughs> he was hilarious. What, what a guy. What a guy. But to to, to your point, you, you that was a pretty realistic. I'll be honest with you, almost optimistic um, for agency setup that you just put together there. Mine. I mean, I it's just, not a ton of money. It's just a lot of players, I guess. But yeah, and, and that's I the think, thing, you know. I just yeah. the, the way I was looking at it was just like they make the movie, all the moves they made. I see where you're coming from with the hand thing, but I just I thought he was just smoking mirrors this year, and 
we were just waiting for the shoe to drop the every time he came out. I, I know I wrote about him and I thought that he was pretty, and, you know, the numbers say he was effective, but God damn it. It was worrisome watching him pitch. <laughs> and that's every closer though, right? To an certain extent. I feel like he recovered it compared to where he was at the beginning I of, this agree year with the you, end of last year. But like after sitting through the playoffs and where everyone is throwing 99 miles an hour, it seems like, and then they're just rolling out this guy who just <laughs> chucks 91 mile an hour, like shitters up there. And it's just garbage. <laughs> Yeah, and it, this is not at all a way to evaluate anything. But when Brad Hinn came up in the last game of the wild card, it did not feel at all like. I mean, the Indians had a lead; they could close out and won. I did not for a second feel like they were going to win that game. No, I guess no. that was more about just how the series went. I guess more than Brad Hinn himself. But there was not even a moment when they got the heads. I was like, yeah, that's that's what I expected to happen. But yeah, I just but, I think outside of the hand thing, they, they they made the right moves when it came to keeping guys around. Everyone you said when it came to like the arbitration, yeah, you could just. Adam Simber has no role anymore because you have to get through three pitchers and he just can't get lefties Which out sucks, to save his he's life. So goofy. I, love I know. Him, I just, just I, I mean, I, I can only think that they're going to keep him around because he might be cheap because he was so shitty. But uh, I don't know. I mean, he, he's it is his first year of arbitration, I guess. Yeah, it would just be the first year. So he might be, God damn, dude, if they cut their, their payroll down to like. $30 million. I mean, that's a very... <laughs> if they trade Carrasco and Lindor and don't sign anybody, that's a real option. Which I know. It, it blows my mind. Because how much is... Jose Ramirez is making $5 million a year. It's ridiculous, yeah. They, <laughs> his oh, agent screwed that one up. I mean, you know, how many times have we worked ourselves into excitement over a Cesar Hernandez deal? <laughs> which, again, I thought he was great this year. I really thought that that was a breath of fresh air. By the way, Adam yeah. Simber had ridiculous reverse splits uh, this year. 901 OPS against uh, right, righties and two four, or 414 against lefties. So who, who the hell knows what's going on there? Um, yeah, and there's not even anything like statistically about Cesar Hernandez's year that was outstanding. I feel like such an old baseball writer because it's like he just did things the right way he was consistent well, he just, but that's what he, was fun about him he was nice to i i just <laughs> he I've was said a pleasant so boy jason kipnis is was awful to watch defensively it was just so herky it was effective but it just wasn't nice to look at whereas there, there's a, a certain fluidity to uh, someone who i assume i mean we, we know jason kipnis was moved from the outfield and all that stuff so he was a converted second baseman um but Cesar Hernandez just had the look of someone who'd been playing second base since he was like two. And yeah, I mean, seeing him, Lindor, Ramirez is is crazy at the same infield. Um, I mean, the fact they're all switch hitters too was nice. We're not going to see them feel like that is good for a long time. But um, so every every Monday, we ask everybody on Twitter, Facebook, and the Discord to send us your questions, what you want us to answer. We'll take a couple this week. Um, Our first one, I thought this was a neat little thought exercise we can do at base underscore get on Twitter. He asks, if you could implement a five-year plan after the World Series in 2016, how far away from that have the Indians gone? Um, I feel like we talked about this several years ago at this point. We've been doing this podcast for a while. That they, um, I mean, we had a plan, sort of. It was, I, at least I was okay with this sort of rolling rebuild. You never completely tank. You always sort of are decent winners. But I almost, I always imagine them putting money back into it to fill in the holes like they did in 2017 when they they signed Edmund Encarnacion that was the peak of how I'd want this team to be run like you have 80% of a team there you maybe have a couple positions that aren't great but you have one you can fill in with a free agent and you just keep rolling with it you trade your guys when they're almost about to leave you don't overspend but you can still win and just fix what you need to and you turn into the 2017 Indians who win a bazillion games but um, I think they're pretty far off of it now. They just abandoned the second half of that, which is spending the little tiny bit of extra money. They've just gone fully into skirting the edges, and they don't bother 
you don't have to go all in to push yourself over the edge, but they're not even like putting a toe over there. I just, it's, it's, it's something I've written about over and over and over too, you know, where's where we've, um, you know, we, it's important to, for a team like the Indians, obviously to pinch pennies just because they don't have the income streams that other teams do, whether it's uh, the merchandising and all that crap, TV deals and obviously butts and seats. Um, but like, I just, it, 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 every off season that a player that teams fans love, who isn't all that expensive. I'm literally talking about Michael Brantley here is on the, you know, he's on the way out. Do, do people not understand that kind of soft cost? You know what I mean? Like I just, I think if they had re-signed players like uh, Michael Brantley would have continued to, because they've just been sitting on the, like, for years now, just, there's always, there's this lurking cloud over them that, that I think poisons any five-year plans. They're like the one you just described of them kind of plowing money back in because they have this like artificial ceiling on top of them because the fans don't trust them to spend money. And if they don't spend the money, then the fans won't come and the fans won't come. They don't need money. And it's this recursive loop down to hell, even though they spent the money, but then they, I don't know. Um, this is a long way of me saying, yes, they got away from the five-year plan, uh, whatever that might've been. It's still working to a degree. I think that maybe they should have moved some pitchers a little quicker as far as trading them. Uh, I don't know who that would have been at any g- given time, just because like some of these guys peaked later than, other guys did so i mean kluber right that's a good group yeah I mean, we would I have mean, dragged him like crazy but if they could have got like alex verdugo or cody bellinger or somebody crazy for him a year or two earlier honestly but... even bauer i thought would have been a smart move i mean i just i figured that they saw what they had in um i know he came out of nowhere but they had to have seen what they had in uh, um fuck bieber yeah uh so i just couldn't remember um and I mean, and they then, knew he was going to be good for a couple of years, too. I don't think he yeah, came exactly. quite out of yeah. nowhere, but and then like, and then also two things like, like you can't just. I I I think if there's one move that would have pissed people off, but would have really injected a ton of talent into the farm system, that would have really supercharged things, it would have been moving Bauer uh, the year after um, that season where he was a two whatever, you know, the one where he was the best pitcher on on the team in twenty eight was eighteen, uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, move him after that year, you could have gotten a king's ransom from who gives a shit who, you know, the, the anyone, literally anyone. Like, they, they, they would have just like, cleaned the hell up. So, um, so real quick, we'll finish with Scott of the Burrow on Discord. He wants to know, how can I convince my boomer dad that Fernando Reyes is good? I like this one. How do you, for, it seems weird because this seems backwards. It seems like this is a guy that maybe, I don't know. It seems like Fernando Reyes is a guy that old school guys would like just because he's a huge. No, you know what? I'm going to reverse that. I think he's a guy. He's a new age guy because the old guys are always like the average, the batting average guys who who hit the ball the right way. They hit it the other way, and Fran Mill just hits the big dongers, which maybe doesn't get to him. But but how do you sell that to somebody who's a very old school baseball I mean, fan? Th- I mean, there's you point to things like the fact that the you know go look at the strikeout rates of the the team that just lost the World Series, right? And I guess you can point back to that and go, well, yeah, they lost the World Series, but they got there, you know. I mean, the the the, the Rays strike out a shitload. Still, this for him to race. He's also walking more than he did a year ago, and he hits the ball a quarter mile. Like I don't know, what do you want out of a baseball player? You know, if someone's like, I don't like Reyes. What What do you want then, Mike Trout? We all want Mike Trout. Everyone's flawed except Mike Trout. Shit. Um, he's you know young too. So I don't know. It's 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 a hard thing. To, it's it seems hard to have to sell someone like that. But like you said, it's, it's, his batting average is not that high. He still walks at an okay rate. But don't we just want guys, huge guys to hit the ball very hard? You know. I think so. It's it's hard to sell baseball players. I think more than other sports because football players, 
are really easy. Obviously, like the bigger the bigger linemen, like the receivers that you can show highlights to. But how many times can you show Fran Morris hitting a ball a thousand feet before? Plus, you know what? He also gets a lot of sack flies. He moves guys. He moves the runner a lot. There you go. That might actually be a good. That's a plus. I will say this. He does move the runner at a (laughs) a decent, you know, a decent clip. I I wonder if I can actually find that stat here. I never remember where that one is here in the. uh, He he definitely does, though, because he comes up and he just. If he's not going to hit home run, he's going to hit it sky high and 30,000 feet. Yeah, he has five sack flies this year. I don't know where that ranks in terms of most in baseball or anything like that, but. Yeah, and I think he's a good clubhouse guy, too. That's another one. That's a a classic. He's friendly. Yeah. Uh, again, he's gigantic. That's always fun. <laughs> um, situational. Let's see. Pinch hitting hits. Sack hits. Zero. Grand double play. Productive outs. Um, he had a productive out rate of 33% this year. He had 27 opportunities to have a productive out and produced nine. Uh, the MOB average is 26.7%. So he produces. So yeah. He moves people over to productive. Uh, at a, he's, he's more productive than your average player when it comes to moving guys over and getting guys in from home, things like that. I mean, if, if that's if, if, if you want small ball, the big man does it right. And if you want big ball, he does it good. He does also that good, yeah. So <laughs> He's got all the balls. He's really good. I would yeah. say that. I mean, yeah, he doesn't play in the field. So, And I'll say this. You know, my dad's an old school type as well. He's always hated the DH. At first, he liked it because it meant a place for all his favorite old guys to play. But then he realized <laughs> down the line, you're going to have young guys who only know how to DH. So, you know. <laughs> And then you have young guys who used to, or you have old guys that used to be the young guys. They're not your old guys anymore, and then it doesn't even matter anymore. Right, right. So you know, if he just hates the D8s, and too bad, it's, <laughs> it's going to be universal forever, probably. So yeah, eat it, old man. <laughs> that's that's our just tell him to eat it. That's how yeah. we'll fix it, Scott. Kiss uh, my grits. <laughs> that's gonna do it for this week, Merritt. Um, it was. <laughs> I'll let it all out, but there was some technical fun in the middle there. I thought this was gonna be a fun, quick little edit, but. Since nope. Decided to Butchery, baby. And... This is why I'm, I don't have to edit the podcast anymore. God, I always hated having to do that shit. <laughs> I wonder who does that now, that sucker. Some clown. Some dumb clown that I laugh at. <laughs> anyway, if you don't follow us on Twitter and Facebook, um, let's go tribe.com. You can find us everywhere. If you're on the podcast, subscribe. Um, leave us a review. It helps. It all helps people find us. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. I'll be here. See ya.
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.